the Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Just stone cold set so. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another Dog Days edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into it. We've got a lot to discuss. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. No longer the man behind the glass, but the man who sits at the controls nevertheless. Matt Butler. Matt, how are you this week, sir? Uh, doing pretty well, man. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Uh, another man who's doing well, always doing well, is our lockdown corner here on the show. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-America 2002 semifinalist. For the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, into 40 acres where he earned his degree. If he knew where his T ring was, he would wear it proudly. Nevertheless, <laughs> he is a card carrying member of DBU. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And Rod, I wanted to start this week off with a quick pop culture discussion, if you don't mind, since you're, uh, oh, you fashion yourself please. a pop culture critic. Don't get me started. Two things, uh, two things that I want to talk about. One, I rediscovered a music catalog that I haven't touched in probably about five, six years. I don't know when. Okay. Um, I forgot. It's been longer than that since I've listened to this album. It's probably been 10 years since I've listened to the album. I forgot how great All Eyes on Me is oh, as an oh, album. Yeah. I still have that can, on the phone. That's one yeah. that's never left to this You can easily do that. I mean, I run the pock all the time before Me too. I can understand yeah. that. So, yeah, I get you, though. I feel I've you got a that. few select cuts from yes. that, but I started listening to the whole thing. I'm like, wow, I forgot how great this you thing is. You can jam it all the way through. Yes. You really can. It's one of those. It's rare. You can jam it all the way through. You don't need. You could skip because they're obviously not all, you know, they're not all select choice. Right. Tupac There's joints, some pretty deep cuts in there. But it's yeah. some deep. You, you'll find a verse or two you like in a song you didn't even really like. I'm like, damn, I didn't know Pac actually killed that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I feel you on that. I do that all the time. With great artists, I think that is always the case. That one, yeah. uh, The Chronic is one that I can the listen to. The Chronic is like front that, to back. too. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few. Uh, the other thing I wanted to uh, get to is mm-hmm. I, f- I forget, like, how, how quick hip-hop in particular cycles through. Like, when this whole Drake, Pusha T beef started. Yeah. I saw people and some co-workers of mine at 24-7 Sports are like, I don't know anything about Pusha T. I'm like, how do you not know about Clips? Clips, man, back in the day. Like, Lord yeah. Willing is one of those albums that old I can school. go front to back. Pusha yeah. T's like 40. Pusha T's old school. Pusha yeah. T's been in the game for like 15 years now. Supposed to be an ex-drug dealer or whatever that got into the game. Him and I don't know what the other guy was. That's brother, cousin. I don't know. The, the guy that in Clips. I don't know who he was. Anyway, um, I'm not going to give you the background on the Drake beef. You got to go look it up. We don't have the time to discuss it. But I'll just say Drake still has not responded. Pusha T killed him in the 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 you know in the, the in brothers the that formed clips by the way. They brothers. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what happened to the other brother. I mean, right now it's just Pusha T. But anyway, Jay Prince yes. from H Town, who is a yeah, a legend, a, a rap hilarious. legend in the rap world. Please Google that too. We don't have the time to explain. Apparently, he is settling the beef because he's one of those guys like he's a. With a Suge Knight, Master P-like persona where you don't want to mess with them. They actually were at one point living in that, you know, 
in the gangster world. He's that guy doing, for H Town. Yeah, and he's that guy for H Town. Scarface, well respected. Drake has been under contract with him. Nobody messes with you know Jay Prince. So he's settling it, and apparently it's done. Like they're not even going to talk about it anymore because you don't want to get on his his bad side. And if nobody yeah. knows about Jay Prince, I just saw an unbelievable tweet barraged by Roy Wood Jr., who's like a yeah. guy. I saw that. Yes, right. that comedian. If yes. you need a story of who yes. Jay Prince is, just yes. read. Go, just go into Twitter, go. and he'll explain how a prank yeah. call made really him move is. out of Houston in four hours. Yeah. Yeah. Throw that. Throw that in the Twitter machine. Yeah. and uh, have some fun with. <laughs> but that. it is amazing that the best rapper, arguably in the game today, got essentially annihilated, emasculated in a rap beef these days. And there was no response at all. I mean, no. Tupac went after somebody's wife and all that kind of stuff. That's oh, what I'm saying. Like know. I thought, I thought would I thought the release of Straight Outta Compton the movie taught us that No Vaseline was like the greatest diss track. It ever. is. It is. Mm-hmm. It is definitely top three. I, I I'm gonna put Pac up there just because you know I'm a Pac fan. But yeah, that's how different rap is today. So Drake didn't even. There's even no response. He just you know he's not even gonna engage. Like when like, Jay Z came Tupac out, the- died over a rap beef argument. When Jay when Jay Z came out, told him that your career will be over when Jason came out with this. the blueprint and he had to take Even over Nas, on there yeah. yeah you know what I mean yeah, yeah. exactly you know so, what I mean so that's I don't what know I was today. just more blown away that people were like well I don't know anything yeah. about Pusha T I'm like how do you not like yeah. what it's, it's, and then I remember yeah. a couple weeks ago when the uh, Jambalaya Festival was in Austin and I saw a tweet from Jordan Pouncey right. who said, I can't believe me and Michael Huff were the only two people who hyped about T.I. I'm like, I've been hyped about T.I. Oh, man, I've been hyped about T.I., dude. T.I.'s a great lyricist. One of that just lets us know our, maybe our time has passed, Rod. Well, like I said, it's going to be great when you know we're all old. Hopefully we all live to be old and we're 70 years old. And when our in the old folks' homes mm-hmm. and you know when you're a grandfather and a great-grandfather, you're going to be jamming T.I. You're going to be jamming... Drake, you're gonna be jamming like uh, Cash Money Brothers so when and you're, Lil Wayne. When you're when you're pop pop sitting yeah. on the back porch with a spittoon and a beer, and I have no idea what the hell hip hop is gonna be at that point. But it's like country music is now. Country music's old. Like the hip hop's like thirty or forty years old. Country music now. Old, old traditionalists, the country music traditionalists, mm. they hate new country music. Yeah, the pop Man, they version to the western, they, yeah, they the genre niches. It. Yeah, now it's it's now it's a pop version of it. Now there's like a you know kind of a, a that's soul, when you made it. a soul version of it. Like no nah, man, I, I want original country and. We had we we were introduced to kind of a, the original kind of hip hop at, at its at its <clears throat> right. core, Something at its infancy. In order to yeah. even begin to have genres, you just first that means that yeah. you've made it. Hip hop yeah. got to the point yeah, that true. now you now have it the does. niches yeah. and it. Drake is singing and rapping. We like what the yeah. hell is that? Like I don't Speaking know. Speaking of country music, <laughs> one thing I was blown away by when we had our twenty four seven sports publishers conference, we uh, had dinner and our awards banquet for the year at the Country Music Hall of Fame, and we had a little cocktail hour kind of in the rotunda, nice. and I had no idea until I got in there. That Johnny Cash's plaque and Merle Haggard's plaque are right next to each other. That makes. I was sense. like, "How badass is that?" Yeah, man. I ju- I'm just. I, this is, and I. I guess you can. Some people are like, "Oh man, this is good," because I wasn't introduced to a lot of country. I'm in Texas, so there's a certain mm-hmm. amount of country you got to get introduced to. Uh, but lately, I've been on a country kick. You know what I mean? I remember old school country. I don't know what it is. You remember going on the radio and you saying, "Man, I wish I could get into country. I just don't know where to start." I don't know where to start, dude. <laughs> I uh, there was actually a Showtime show. It's an animated series, and it was uh, it was one of the guys who uh, man the Austin uh, film uh, show creator. I forget his name. I believe he's Mike the, Judge. He's, yes, he's actually one of the creators of it, mm. and it just tells stories about country yes. music. 
man, I started watching the show, and then I would go like look up all the country music. Dude, I'm an old school country music guy. I didn't like, I don't like country music because I was introduced to it when it was poppy and Pop. all. It was saturated. No, no, you got to go back to when it's unfiltered and old school, and nope. that's kind of the country that I like. And I'm just getting introduced to it. Old, deep, it's like somebody just blues. started to watch Sopranos in like <laughs> 20 years later. Like the way that <laughs> the old blues musicians are basically were like looked down upon as this inferior type of music, but it was actually from the heart. That yeah. sort of you have some country roots that are oh, very man. similar to those. When you just go across the yeah, country, yeah, no doubt. I mean, you you saw Willie Nelson in concert, so mm-hmm. yeah, even he's like he's a man, a little newer than than Willie, like George Strait's one of those artists that, I, I that just got cuts on across to, a lot of cross sections, socioeconomic backgrounds. Just yeah. I downloaded two volumes of George Strait on the phone literally two weeks ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, there you just go. did. Got some uh, oceanfront property in Arizona mm-hmm. for you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's I, you won't own it. Yeah. Now, nah, but I'm just getting to it. So that just shows you that. It just takes some time. Good music doesn't matter what the hell kind of genre it is. If it's good, you can appreciate it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something else we can appreciate that we've talked a lot about on the show for the last few weeks is quarterback play. Oh, and yeah. we, you know, we might as well make June quarterback month here on the Blitz. Um, and I want to start with uh, – let's go ahead and start with the Kyler Murray discussion. Rod, I know yeah. you want to talk about that this I week. And then we'll finish with Sam Ellinger. But when you look at Kyler Murray – Went much higher in the major league draft than anybody thought he was going to go. I mean, uh, everything I'd heard, it was probably going to be maybe late first round, probably in that comp, that first compensation round. He goes ninth overall to wow. the Oakland A's. Yeah. The sl- Organization, the, the, right s- one. the slot value for that pick is $4.8 million. Yeah, straight cash on me. Now, Kyler Murray says he's going to play. Basically, he's going to be one and done as a starter at OU. He's going to play. Did he say one year? Because I haven't heard him specify. That's that's what the that's what the plan is, sort apparently. Sort of the agreement okay. between all that's, parties. Yeah, like, so. It seems like OU, Oakland. He will play. You know, everybody's on the same page of him playing, but I, I hadn't heard about he will, a specification about if he one year because he got two years of eligibility. He's got two years of eligibility. He will, he he will play. Time. He will play for Oklahoma in the fall and then join the A's next spring. He can still sign though. Well, no, but the, in this draft, it's you'd lose your rights. The same way, say, remember whenever the Astros drafted Appel, Appel right? You, I think signed, then he would right? be drafted. August, so then the A's wouldn't be able to get him, and it'd be the next. I think year like August first. August first is the deadline when when you have, have to, to decide. Yeah. yeah. So he can sign, but he's still the plan is for him to sign. There's again, uh, Matt. I think Matt just said it. There's already agreement, uh, basically. An agreement in place for him to play his, I guess, what is he now, junior? junior. So basically the yeah, A's yeah. were just like, we don't care about the risk of you maybe getting hurt this fall. You're so damn good. And we knew this like back whenever he came out of high school when he was going to be a first-round pick. And we were like, eh, he's going to go be a quarterback. He wants to play football. It's his dream. Yeah. Go do your dream. And the A's are like, yeah, we know. But still, you're so damn good that we're going to take the risk of whatever happens this fall right. because we need you at age 21 to start. So, Rod, us. I don't know where you wanted to go with the Kyler Murray thing, but I thought about it from this standpoint. When you go back to that 2015 recruiting cycle, Kyler Murray to Texas came a lot closer to happening than some people might think. Mm-hmm. It was a legitimate option on the table. And I think the the allure of it was you go play football and resurrect the football program under Charlie Strong. You go play baseball for Augie Garrido, which at the time Texas was, uh, you know, the fall. So they actually that fall of 2014, they would have been coming off of the, their last run in Omaha. Mm-hmm. So Texas was an attractive baseball option. So Kyler Murray had a lot of reasons to want to go to Texas. It didn't end up happening. And, Rod, we, we talked about it before we went on air. It's it's funny how you think about, man, 
throughout the history of this program since really since the the Colt McCoy injury yep. in that national championship game. It's been kind of one what if after another. Mm-hmm. And if Kyler Murray picks Texas and if at that point Charlie Strong's forced to change the way the offense runs, it's not inconceivable to think he might still be the head coach at Texas. Uh, well, yeah, depending on how – yeah, it's a great point. I mean, I've actually the domino effect, the butterfly effect mm, right. of, that one, of one of those decisions could change everything. Um, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda, and what ifs, ifs, buts, candies, and nuts, right? Because I think Kyler Murray will, will prove playing for Lincoln Riley that he's a damn good quarterback. Is he an NFL caliber quarterback because of size? No, no he's not. Yeah. But doesn't change the fact that I think he's going to be damn good at this level. Well, Lincoln Riley's system, I think, is what – a lot of people have said is the reason he's going to be successful. He's perfect for that system, almost tailor-made for it. Um, and some of the things that he was able to do at Baker Mayfield, I don't know if, if passing, if, if the passing ability of T- Kyler Murray is on the level of Baker Mayfield, but certainly in being a dual-threat guy, right. he brings another level. You so know? where'd you want to go with the Kyler Murray discussion, well, Rob? First of, all, well, first of all, I think he may be, and i got to go back and look at it, I don't know if there's been a two-sport star who's in – you know, who's a Major League Baseball, obviously, prospect or a player now who's been drafted higher than him. Now, Jeff Samarja was also a top first-rounder but wasn't higher, wasn't you know top I mean? 10. In, in Major but League Samarja Baseball, in the Major League Baseball draft. Yeah. Now, of course, Bo Jackson was drafted, I think, number one overall in the in, NFL draft. I'm talking about Major League Baseball. So, man, it is – like it really is kind of a – historic, really is. Absolutely, like, kind of yeah. roll, the, roll the dice it is uh-huh. for the Oakland A's. Right. And I love that everybody's on board for him playing college football. It was his dream. When I used to talk to Marquise Goodwin about, you know, being an Olympian, like he actually was it was something that he wanted all you know, he dreamed about and something that he wanted really on his all time resume to be an Olympian, to be a longhorn football player, to be a track star. Like he wanted to be all those things. He has that ability. Hell, I did too, now that I go back and think about it. You know what I mean? I wanted to be a track star or baseball. Deion Sanders was my idol, so baseball slash football. Hey, I was a terrible freaking baseball player. I had no handout coordination. I wasn't. I wasn't. You know, effing fast. Uh, you know what I mean? That like, like you did Marquise get yourself Gillen, kicked out of Marquise, a kickball tournament. Marquise at one Gillen time, is according to is dropping f bomb fast. Like you see guys like that run, you like holy. Mo- you know what I mean? Like you want to – it makes you cuss. They are that damn fast. You've never seen anything that fast right. uh, that is, is, is organic and human. You know what I mean? But when you start looking at, you know, guys like Deion Sanders who has that type of ability, Hell, even Quan Cosby is a guy, Ricky Williams. We've had guys here, Russell Wilson, other guys like Same that. Me. I think when you have that ability, hell yeah, man, you should pursue it. Like I, I understand exactly why, you know, Marquis Goodwin wanted to be an Olympian and also come back here and – play college football, and people are like, man, he should focus on one of those things. It's like, why? He's good at all of them. Aaron it's like Metcalf. asking Donald, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, man, he should just rap, or he should just write, or he should just act, mm-hmm. or he should just be a stand-up. It's like, no, he can do all of them. Right. He actually has that ability. It's rare, but he has that ability. Like saying, Eric Metcalf, Lamb yeah, Jones. You know what I mean? And so, then when you're great you know, at something, that's going to stand yeah. out. So, you so, know, I, so Those guys are rare. He's one of the greatest athletes on the planet, technically. People don't want me to say that because he's been an Aggie and not a Sooner. <laughs> but it's true. So I applaud what he's doing. I think it's really, really cool. So, but the Kyler Murray discussion is pertinent for two things. One, the point that you know I brought up that just kind of got me thinking: like, what if Kyler Murray would have picked Texas, and yeah. and how different could things have been? And you know, it, it changes a lot. But the other thing is, okay, the plan right now is for him to play his junior year at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. 
Let's say he doesn't. Let's say the A's say, hey, we'll make it worth your while to not play football. Because you know, we got a but long they've, time. They've already said he's going to play. Look, I, I get it, yeah, but yeah. we got a long experiment. Got a long yeah. time to that deadline in August, and, and anything can happen. July thirteenth, right? The big owner, money as long as the, if the owner has second thoughts, then then there. Kyler Murray's got but all the leverage. This organization, the A's, are the yeah. ones that have done it their own unique way. Like they, they're they're transparent. They tell you what they're doing, and they don't know they don't have ever have a chance to get a player this good in free agent. The only time you, they can get a player this good is if they draft one. Yeah, and they still weren't going to be able to get a player. <laughs> this good because they didn't have a top draft pick but this football quarterback thing threw a wrench in so everybody's now fearful of the best player arguably you know position outfielder in the entire draft and they're like oh it's just one college year and like we view all these players playing all these sports all the time it's no big deal he's coming in at age 21 that's young so whether whether he plays or not i mean i'm saying let's not completely drop the fact that he could decide at some point this summer you know what maybe i just just, i just need to go ahead and just focus on baseball this is clearly where his professional future that's not july 13th will be that day it's clearly baseball so thinking about that rod and knowing that it's a unique situation with the one and done thing i've got to think that's going to impact a how Oklahoma uses him. I mean, because if you're Lincoln Riley, don't you want to try to squeeze every every drop of juice out of that orange that you can, so to speak? Yeah. No, this is this is it. This is it. This is all you got. This is all you got. Oh, and Vegas has them at huge. We saw ten and a half wins. Like so expecting him to be great. You start thinking about the dynamic there, and and it's it's going to take a lot on Lincoln Riley and the leaders on that team to kind of balance out. You know, hey. You know, our starting quarterback is the third highest paid guy on this entire campus. He's paid behind, more than Lincoln he's Riley. He's paid more than Lincoln Riley, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so you start weighing in all these awesome. factors, and the point I'm making is at some level this has got to impact the Big 12 title race and then how we view this conference. Because Oklahoma, you can call it whatever you want. It's just uncertainty, instability. There hasn't been a point really where Lincoln Riley can go all in on Kyler Murray because he hasn't known, and really I don't think can still be 100% sure that he's going to have him all focused and locked in for a year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do. I think he I, does. I think, he's I think doing he, it only out of love. Yeah, I, you know, I, I do. I think he actually – I think his motives are pure. I think that's what's kind of really stupefying about the decision that he's not really concerned about the money. Usually – I played against Carl Crawford in Houston, mm-hmm. and yeah. Carl Crawford was in a similar situation. He was the best athlete. Probably in Texas. At His the was time. out of high school. He was. I think he had offers from like USC, Nebraska to play football. Tell of a basketball Florida player State. too. He had offers to play basketball at like UCLA and some other places. And he was a he was a hell of a baseball player. He was drafted, I think, in the second round, like 59th mm-hmm. or something overall. Played against him a couple of times out of high and school. And that guy was. It was unbelievable. And he could have. I think he did sign somewhere to play college football. Nebraska. But he made the sign Nebraska. Mm-hmm. He made the decision to decide, you know what? No, I'm going I, my family is in a different situation, so I'm going to go play football. Look at Kyler Murray, his dad played major league baseball. His circumstances are a little bit different. So, I think he is actually doing it because he's just something that he's always dreamed about trying to live out his dream, but as as you were talking about as it relates to the Big 12 uh title and with, you know, Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma they're such a great football program, such a great blue blood. How many Big 12 titles have they won, I don't know, since Bob Stoops won ten. his first one? Is it 10 um, or 11? Maybe 11, actually. Mm-hmm. I think it's 11. And how many different starting quarterbacks have they had? A lot. Seven. Seven in yeah. that time span. You know what I mean? Like it Texas ain't, it hasn't ain't, had it many ain't, of late. Yeah, it ain't really about the quarterbacks. Now, for Texas, different formula. But for Oklahoma, it ain't always about the quarterbacks. They win on other things, too. 
much like Alabama does. Not every, not even every blue blood can win championships like that with quarterbacks. I won't call them no name brand because they're, you know, they're great quarterbacks in their own right, but they're not transcendent. You know, what I mean, they've had Sam Bradford, they've had. They won a conference Baker, championship with Paul Thompson, a quarterback. Baker Mayfield, yeah, you know, but they haven't been trained. Those guys, I'm not trying to disrespect them. They were good players and great. Jason White, I think, won the Heisman. Didn't he? Right. Um, so good, well, I mean, good Kyler to great Murray players, right now but they favorite. were not transcendent like Cole McCoy or Vince Young. They weren't transcendent players. So you think everything around Kyler Murray will can't, whether it's Kyler mm-hmm. Murray, Austin Kendall, or the Easter Bunny at quarterback. I'm just going no, off Oklahoma good. history, man. And I'm going, I'm going off, off the Oklahoma, Oklahoma that I know. Right now on odds to win <laughs> the Heisman. That's the one that was passed down from Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley. My, my thing on OU is this. It's damn hard to sustain a dynasty for a long time. And you look at Oklahoma within the context of the Big 12, they've done it better they've than dominated. anybody in the league. They dominated the league and they for the last decade plus. To Lincoln Riley, the next guy really well. At it's some exactly. point, at some point, there's a crack in that dynasty. It cracks somewhere and yeah. you start to lose ground. I'm just wondering, and it's not, I'm not saying this is because Kyler Murray's a bad egg or anything like that. I'm just saying this situation is so unique and the dynamic is something we've never really seen. Rod, as you said, never seen a guy taken this high in the draft that was in this high profile position. Is this the situation where now you start to see cracks in the foundation? And keep in mind, a lot's changed at OU. They have a new strength conditioning guy. Jerry Smith's there for a long time under Bob Stoops. Yeah. Now you got Benny Wiley in there. And you go ask people on the 40 yeah. and you go ask people that yeah. were there. Some guys don't have a very high opinion of Benny Wiley as a strength guy. So a lot of stuff has changed. So I'm just wondering, that's kind of in my incoherent rambling, that's kind of what I was getting at. In all of this, is this where maybe we start to finally see some cracks in that foundation in Norman? I'd say after Kyler. Because, I mean, you look at Vegas odds right now, and there's only a couple of them out there, bookmakers. I know Bet Online has it, but, I mean, Kyler Murray's one of the top Heisman Trophy odds guys in the entire nation. He's top six player in the entire nation. He's ahead of people like J.K. Dobbins or Trace McSorley, Jalen Hurts. Their odds all worse than you can find anywhere from 16 to 20 to 1. So outside of, say, Bryce Love is really and Jonathan Taylor, those two running backs are the only guys clear cut ahead of Murray in the Heisman race to where I think this is just as simple as Oklahoma was afforded the one luxury that nobody has ever got. You've never got a chance that, oh, wait, this guy is this good of an athlete and could be a pro in this other sport, but he just loves the game so much that he's going to wants to play football before he goes on to his career. It's sort of like, you know, a life event for him that before he has to become a professional, sort of as we do when we're young, when you're young in your 20s, you have time to do a few things before you become an adult. And his dream is this. He knows he probably ain't going to make millions doing this, but he already has the millions lined up, and now he just gets to go for a fall, try to do it, and if it doesn't work, he ends up going and still getting what he already has on the contract. So, OU, they just have a good situation, and the Aggies really screwed one up. Yeah, I mean, and I know we're not going to talk a ton of OU. We're going to make the transition to Texas. I know people are like, oh, sick of hearing about OU. But they are having a really good year. Baker Mayfield drafted number one overall. Kyler. Kyler Murray with being drafted. And then Trey Young, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're having, they're having a good year, which is good for Texas. That that pressure, that's good pressure. Chris Del Conte's paying attention to that. So is Tom Herman. So is Shaka Smart. So you can't help but pay attention to it. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and hopefully Tom Herman can have that kind of a David Pierce-like year, really, that that leapfrog that nobody's really expecting. That's what you're talking about, the connection where, well, if Kyler Murray 
doesn't really work out. Maybe his mind is elsewhere. Maybe he's distracted. Maybe he's making career decisions when he's out there playing football now because mm-hmm. the millions are on the line. Right. You know what I mean? Like the, it's you know, human it nature. It's not anything against yeah, Kyler you know I mean? Murray. It's human nature. And yeah, and then that's all Texas needs because right now a lot of people are high on Texas. I think the ESPN Football Power Index had Texas at uh, nine wins. Uh, Vegas. I looked at Vegas. Mm. It was a Las Vegas. Uh, maybe it was a super book they came out with there. College football toes. They had him at eight and a half wins. Wow, uh, Mark, I have seven right here. Yeah, Mark Schleyball said they should win nine or ten games. He wouldn't, you know. What I mean, so right. the expectations. I think people are starting to feel that buzz about Texas right now. Like um, that, you know, that this Texas team. I don't know. I have that uh, that those numbers, but everybody's everybody's. I'm sure expectations and projections are different. But I I'm starting to hear more positivity about Texas. Yeah. And I think a lot of it's t- pointing to what you're talking about, all the uncertainty with Kyler Murray and his situation, with all the other Big 12 quarterbacks. Texas plays a tough schedule in the non-conference, but not a lot of teams and programs that have solidified quarterbacks, the veteran quarterbacks in right. place. It's almost like you know when you mean? start looking at the Big 12 race and you start talking about Texas. Texas has one of the better and, quarterback and, and, and situations. Pe- <laughs> and people, well, when people start asking, well, why Texas? It almost becomes, why not Texas? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like Will Greer's at West Virginia. It's like, okay, he's great, but you got that much confidence in West Virginia? And even I think Vegas, Dana, doesn't, I, Vegas has West Virginia, I think, at like seven and a half. I think Dana Holgerson's yeah. a hell of a yeah, coach. But how many, t- how many times have we seen West Virginia be like on the cusp of like, okay, this is where they're going to break through, and they have yet to do it under yeah. Dana Holgerson? Yeah. So I, I, I understand that because the Kyler Murray thing is interesting. You're talking about the psychology of how deep it runs, even if he does play. Uh, that's still that dynamic. How does it how does it play in the locker room when the leader of the locker room is you know, got it makes make more than the head coach. coach exactly. You know what I mean? How does that play? Those are those are little small things that end up playing a bigger role. They're I'm maybe just saying it's... tiny cracks in the foundation that by game twelve end up, you know, becoming some kind of seismic, you know. I almost look risk. at it like being a Dallas Mavericks fan, I almost look at Texas like I look at the the rest of the Western Conference. Like it's all about, okay, can we be in a position to be really good when the Warriors start to decline? And at some point in the Big 12, Oklahoma's going to decline at some point. The thing doesn't stay on top forever. And when True. that and when that decline starts, and granted, it's different in college football because of roster turnover, blah, blah, blah. But when they when that decline starts, what position are you in to go maybe take that mantle and run with the for Texas a bit? Texas can't worry about that. Oklahoma State worries about that. Texas doesn't worry about. It. Texas should be able to topple Oklahoma even at their zenith. Like they should be able. But to. But what I, have we been talking that, about that, for the last ideally, decade? Though, but that's right. not the case. Obviously, right. they've won eleven yeah. Big Twelve titles since two thousand. It's almost like with the Warriors, right? You're talking about the NBA. So stay with that analogy. With the Warriors, the, the Rockets right now, Darren Moore is like, I'm obsessed with beating the freaking Warriors. I'm obsessed with it. And to be fair, he's re- he's successfully reverse engineered the Warriors really mm-hmm. well. They've only lost six games since acquiring Kevin Durant. I think they're In thirty the and six, and they've lost three of them to the Rockets. Right. Mm-hmm. So the Rockets have pushed them further than any other team's been able to push them. So he's been really good in what he's doing. Um, but are you gonna? keep contending and beating your head against that brick wall, trying to beat the Warriors, arguably one of the greatest collections of talent in the history of the NBA, or you're going to sit by, like a lot of people wait on LeBron in the East, Boston did, mm. kind of, you know, well, let's wait on LeBron to decline a little bit. Let's wait on this LeBron situation. And then when LeBron's done, Philly kind of did the same thing. They've timed out their process. But now they're watching this year like, LeBron. God. 
Yeah, so it's it's weird. I I think either way you're screwed, and you know it could be successful either way. Okay. You you could you could wait it out and time it out, or you can try to go up against. But the let's agree on this: if Texas, like we've been talking about, Texas makes that jump this year, if if we do start to see cracks in the Oklahoma Foundation, and if Oklahoma isn't the biggest dog in the yard this year. Which I think there's again, given the factors, there's a chance that Oklahoma is the only team favorite above Texas right. in the mm-hmm. Big Twelve. Yes. Texas will be in a position to go attack based on how Sam Ellinger performs. And I know, look, no question, a lot of your national magazines are out right now, and you go look at any of them. They're talking about quarterback battles, like Ellinger versus Bouchelle. We're right here. We saw it all spring. There really is no quarterback battle in, in my mind. There's not unless Sam Ellinger just, I don't know doesn't show up to some workouts or whatever or just sits or on the couch. Kind of, he just has some breakdown where he just starts yeah, throwing, throwing picks Something completely something. unforeseen that yeah. isn't like on the path right now that we no. see. Sam Allen is going to be the starting quarterback. So, Rod, yeah, I, I, agree I, with you on that. I know you okay. wanted to talk about, and this brought me to something with Sam Ellinger, and I, I want to just bring this up for discussion. I really try to abide by when I look at quarterbacks – even though you can say it's old school, I really try to look at Bill Parcells' quarterback commandments. Like when you're trying that to when you're talking school. about a franchise quarterback, because a lot of them, even in this day and age, still hold true. And I just want to run run them down real quick. Number one, ignore other opinions, press or TV, agents or advisors, family or wives, friends, relatives, fans or hangers on. Ignore them on football matters. They don't know what's happening. <laughs> there you go. Number two, <laughs> clowns can't run a huddle. Don't forget to have fun, but don't be the class clown. Clowns and leaders don't mix. Fat three, fat quarterbacks can't avoid the rush. Hmm, a quarterback fat. throws with his legs more than his arms. Squat and run. Squat. Says the big tuna. Four. And Rod, as you described, Sam Ellinger's built like a centaur, so that's not a problem for him. Yeah. Uh, number four, know your job cold. This is not a game without errors. Keep yours to a minimum. Study. That's a big one for Sam Ellinger. That's a big one. Five, know your own players. Who's fast, who can catch, who needs encouragement. Be precise, know your opponent. Yeah, that's important. That's chemistry. Six, be the same guy every day in, con- in condition, uh, preparing to lead, study your plan. A coach can't prepare you for everything, for, for every eventuality. Prepare yourself and remember, impulse decisions usually equal mistakes. So be the, uh, yeah, be the same, wait, that's six. Yeah, be the same guy every day. Seven, throwing the ball away is a good play. Sacks, interceptions, and fumbles are bad <laughs> plays. Protects against those. Eight, learn to manage the game. Personnel, play call, motions, ball handling, proper reads, accurate throws, play fakes. Clock, clock, clock. Don't ever lose track of the clock. Nine, get your team in the end zone. Passing stats and touchdown passes are not how you're going to be judged. Your job is to get your team in the end zone, and that's how you will be judged. That's true. Ten, don't panic. Rod, I know you love this. When all around you is in chaos, you must be the hand that steers the ship. If you have a panic button, so will everyone else. Our ship can't have a panic button. Got to be great in crisis. Mm-hmm. Got to be great in crisis. And the Which is el- something you see a lot more in quarterbacks mm-hmm. now than you used to. In yeah. the 11th, and the one that I know you want to talk about this week as it relates to Sam Ellinger, don't be a celebrity quarterback. We don't need any of those. We need battlefield commanders that are willing to fight it out every day, every week, and every season to lead their team to win after win. 
to be fair, that is before the social media age. Very true. So that you can't even this avoid it This is 1980s Bill Purcell. Yes, exactly. And the GOAT, Tom Brady, is the biggest celebrity quarterback, married to a supermodel, and that kind of thing. So you can't avoid it these days. Uh, you just got to be you got to be responsible about you your exposure. Because his top protege, That's Phil Simms' son, yeah. became a celebrity quarterback. Yeah, it was you, yeah exactly. No you want to be his. smart about that. Like uh, like Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott were hanging out this weekend, and they got penis water guns. <laughs> I saw that, yeah. You know what I mean? On TMZ, and it's like, well, what would Tom Brady do? Instead of, you know, what would Jesus do? What would Tom Brady Would Tom Brady get caught with penis guns? He'd be on a yacht. Penis water guns? No, he's on a yacht throwing footballs to an F1, you know, Formula One, you know, superstar. That's what Tom Some Brady Some Mediterranean. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I, you got to be responsible about it. But I, I'll say this about Sam Ellinger. My thing is, I always say quarterback competitions are basically elections. Um, yes, that guy is appointed, but. He's appointed by the locker room to a certain extent. He's got to win the locker room, the coaches, obviously. So he's got to win over the coaches. He's got to win over the fans. He's got to win over the media. You know what I mean? Like that, it is kind of an election. And we've seen multiple times on the 40 Acres, and I was a part of the Chris Sims major draft white thing, where it splintered down to the coaches, the fans, the media, and even in the locker room. And this election between Sam Miller and Shane Bouchel, I got to tell you, it, right now, it ain't looking like it's close. Like no. I was watching no. the, you know, I'm watching the Texas baseball game, and Sam Ellinger's hanging out with, you know, Roger Clemens and kicking it, like you know, with the team. It was like Sam Ellinger was and, his bodyguard. It, it was, was like <laughs> and, uh, Sam Ellinger. He looks, he looks jacked up too, by the way. Um, but yeah, I'm like, man, where's Shane? I'm sure Shane can. Shane's out there somewhere. Where's Shane? And mm. the, yeah, no, they don't. They don't put backup quarterbacks usually on TV like that. You know what I mean? Like that's backup quarterbacks don't hang that. out with Roger. Backup quarterbacks don't hang out. College with Roger. kids don't hang you out with I mean? Roger. Yeah, Rogers well, never hung out with anybody. Exactly. In the Chris Sims major upright comp- controversy, if Earl Campbell starts hanging out with Major, you know what? Controversy over. Yeah, <laughs> pretty well, obvious. Earl Campbell's hanging out with Major. Well, that that seems like that's not a controversy anymore. So it just seems to me. Whether you're talking about in the public stratosphere, whether it be the media, um, whether it be the players, he's getting endorsements. Speaking of elections from Brecken Hager, Brecken Hager often references him as the starting quarterback. You just got to listen to stuff he says. He's like, and when we win the Big 12, I'm going to hand Sam the, uh, the, the scissors and he's going to cut my hair. It's like, well, what if Sam's not the quarterback? Who are you going to hand to? You know what I mean? He's like, you're not going to hand him right. to a random guy. No, he's, he's, you know, he's on social media referring to him as like QB1 and stuff like that. Like, it's. You know, it, he's, who's the guy that's dancing on the sideline with with Coach Herman? Uh-huh. It ain't Shane Rochelle. Who's right. dancing and doing the whatever, the, 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 the what do they call it, the secure the bag dance, whatever the hell it was. Who's doing it on the sideline right next to Coach Herman? It ain't Shane. It's it's Sam because Sam and, and Coach Herman, they, they're more like-minded. You know, we were criticizing Sam for running over defensive <laughs> backs at the second level. Tom Herman's like, I love it. I love what it had. I'm like, oh, you realize that's going to be your quarterback getting hurt as a result of it? No, it's fantastic. I love it. It shows the what what our attitude needs to be. It shows uh-huh. our mentality. It's like, okay, he loves it. Bye. He loves it, man. He, lo- he, he loves everything about Sam. So in this election, I'm just saying, looks like Sam's winning. So, But I think the only thing that's intriguing all of us in this quarterback you know, conversation is, then what's Shane looking at? Because Shane's a smart guy. Shane's savvy. Shane's got good people advising him around him, right? Mm-hmm. Very educated, knowledgeable people about Pedigree. sports and high girls, pedigree, all Coaches. that kind of stuff. You know, what? what's Shane's opinion about it? And it, does he see what we see on the outside looking in of it? I, w- I would have to think so um, because, look, the one thing Shane Bouchelle is not, he's not dumb. 
And one thing the Bushell, the one thing, one thing the Bushell family is not. They they're very observant. They 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 know they can see what's going on. Yeah. Um, I, I'll say this for Shane Bushell. I think at this point, you know, you're you're thinking it's what we're in early June, early to mid June. Right? We're still in early June. What's today? The sixth, seventh. Yeah, yep. early June. Six. I gotta yeah. watch. I don't even look at. Um, but it's too late really to do anything about it now. I think the plan for Shane Bouchelle, and this is not me citing a source. This is no inside information. This is just me putting my thinking cap on and looking at this logically down the road. I think Shane Bouchelle is at Texas this fall. I think Sam Ellinger wins the job. I think Shane Bouchelle is the backup quarterback for the entire season. And then I think he graduate transfers next spring. That would make sense. He wouldn't have okay. to sit out any To go time. get a fresh start. Because yeah. at that point – Rod, you always say yeah. from from, from your experience as a player, as a coach, you're more inclined to go with the younger guy, right? Yeah. At that point, I would see Tom Herman and Tim Beck putting more into Cameron all right, Rising, Cameron Rising and Casey Thompson Casey got Thompson. redshirt years. Let's get one of these guys ready to be the backup quarterback. Uh, I agree with that. Who fit more of the style you want to have off. And honestly, that's a great point. Then that's ideal for Tom Herman because Tom Herman needs that backup. insurance plan. Uh, right now, we're still with Sam because he, even with the inconsistency of his play, number one, because he's just a, a true sophomore, but also with the way Bam Bam Sam likes to play, anything could happen. I, I'll, I'll go so, I'll go take a uh, you know page I mean? out of your book when we were talking about Tyrone Swoops, and I think it was the year – was it the year Gerard? We were looking at Gerard Hurd maybe winning the job. Mm-hmm. Gosh, think about that quarterback yeah. battle. Oh, and NFL tied in and the guy who's gone in his third year as a wide receiver. <laughs> that was the future. Um, how was your quarterback? How was your quarterback kind of battle? A quarterback competition or a battle of attrition? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you said, Rod, whether he starts or not, Tyrone Swoops will have to be a guy that wins a football game for this team at Has, some point. Yep. I think in 2018 there will be a game where Shane Bouchelle is going to have to win a game for this team. Oh, no question. I, I agree with you 100%. Even with an up-and-coming Vince Young, we had to see a chance mock come in there. Yep, K-State. Against Texas say, Tech. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and come in there in CYA mode and save the day. So I agree with you 100%. Whether it be because of injury, I'll knock on something here, or whether it be because You're going to need Shane Bouchelle to win a game play. in the yes. fall. And we almost had the situation last year. You go back to the OU game. The game, the drive where Sam has to come out, whether he was concussed or not, that's up for interpretation, and that's yeah, for Tom yeah. Herman and the know, family to deep, go through yeah, that. Exactly. But think about how different things are. I mean, they might not be different. I don't know. But Shane Bouchel had a chance to go win the game on that drive. Yeah. But I think the reason why it's not working out for Shane Bouchel under Tom Herman in the structure of this offense we saw like the one play that drive was going good, and then Shane Bouchel took a sack. It wasn't his fault. The left tackle got beat on a rush, but mm-hmm. man, Sam Ellinger probably tucks the ball and runs and maybe makes that not a negative play. Yeah, you know, it's just one of yeah. those deals just where little, it, little extra skill set. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when you, it's a huge exactly thing right. that you can lose a play and still win it now with the dual threat quarterback because if he can identify the, it and it can turn their victory into your victory, your margin for error. Oh yeah, you it know, what I mean, helps with, it. with Shane Bouchelle, it's just it's just so minuscule. But with Sam, yeah. you got more margin for error. I think Shane Bouchelle needs to be in an offense like he was his freshman year, I think where he knows that too. it's yeah. single read. You know where you're going with the ball. You're more so. More of a college. I've heard the Cowboys use this term about Dak Prescott, and I, I'm as a Cowboys fan, it, dri- it drives you nuts when you hear like we're gonna make the offense more Romo friendly or make yeah, it more Dak, Dak friendly. friendly. Yeah. Now the big conversation: we want Dak Prescott to be a point guard. We just want him to kind of distribute the ball. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the offense you want Shane Bouchelle in, is where boom, he knows where he's going with it, take it and get rid of it because he's accurate. He, and when he know yeah. when he knows where he's going with the football he's and accurate. has a chance to deliver it, yeah. he's very good. But we all know there's a lot more that goes into playing quarterback than that. Yeah. 
And it's simpler to defend if that's the complexity of your offense. I mean, you can also execute it and be good and beat inferior teams, but when it comes to, you know, like say playoff football with the Cowboys or when it comes to beating OU or USC in those games, if you have a simplified offense where you only have one or two options or variations and then you don't have that second option, which happens to be built in that when they beat you, you can still beat them. It's just going to be tougher to be able to win consistently against good teams. The, on, the only true quarterback currency is wins, though. Uh, that's why it's the only position that they you look up the stats and they, they got your wins right there next mm-hmm. to your stats. All right, So if, if Shane wins games and Sam doesn't win games, this is a different conversation. We're, this is all the assumption that they'll win games when Sam Mellinger's in there. Because mm-hmm. if they don't win games, you guys know how that goes. Then we, we then we reevaluate everything. Quickly. Quickly. And even Quickly. if it's unfair. Quickly. Even, even if, if it's unfair, unfair it's results-based. It's That's unfair, just how football works. Exactly. Because for Shane early on, it wasn't, that, it wasn't fair to him, really. Uh, the offensive line was a bit of a disaster. Mm-hmm. Had no running game. Uh, there was a lot going on. And then, hey, man, we got to reevaluate things. Uh, Last Sam, year really wasn't fair for Sam. He just sort of thrown in, freshman, go, boom. Yeah, got to figure it out. Such is life. Such is life. But, you know, and I want to get into this. We can start talking about this now. But we talked about, you guys just brought it up, how unfair it really is to both quarterbacks. For <clears throat> Sam Bouchel's playing in a system that wasn't what he signed up for. Yep. And he's, he, he came to Texas under different circumstances. And, you know, Sam Ellinger, I'm sure, would have liked to kind of – I mean, I think in a perfect world – I'm sure Sam would have wanted to play, but in a perfect world, you would have liked to have brought him along at a steady pace, and then when you really needed him, mm-hmm. go to him. But, Rod, I started thinking about this as it relates to uh, offensive tackles, and we had – I want to continue this next week because I want to get back into the offensive tackle discussion with Texas picking up uh, – Got a five-star. Picking up Tyler Johnson from Conroe mm-hmm. Oak Ridge, and I wrote in my, my three things I know, three things I think column yeah. is up this morning uh, on the site. It's up right now. And I called Tyler Johnson – the best pure tackle prospect Texas has gotten a commitment from since Jamarcus Webb back in the class of 2006. I think it's been that long since Texas had a pure tackle that out of right out of high school that was this good. That's hardcore. Yeah. What happened to Jamarcus Webb? He get jailed played out by one, Jay Cutler. Played one year. Remember that? Played one year at Texas. Transferred out and then. Uh, okay. West Texas, West Texas and then A&M. it was the, ga- the second game of Topin like three seasons ago when Cutler's yeah. just getting obliterated by the Packers. And like he goes over and just storms down his left tackle. And that was the replacement, which was Jamarcus Webb sitting so in. So he did for play him. in the league, though. Oh, yeah. After yeah. He, tra- oh, yeah. he transferred out of games? Texas to West Texas A&M yep. and immediately. What round did you draft? Seventh. There you go. Oh, there but, you go. But when I'm thinking about Jamarcus Imagine Webb, and I'm going back and thinking like, and thinking like, is this the best? Does Tyler Johnson have a chance to be like? Think about the last great offensive, the last great like All America caliber offensive tackle that Texas recruited as an offensive tackle and cultivated him, and he went to the NFL. Tony Hills. I mean, not even think about Tony. Tony Hills was a tight end, but I think we all kind of knew he was going to oh, make that yeah, transition. Yeah. But I'm talking about played offensive line in high school, yeah. Rod. You probably got to go back to Jonathan Scott in terms of Jay a Scott. pure yeah. tackle body. It's like Justin Blaylock was just like a, a freak. He was, you know, a he was a guard body, but he was, yeah. yeah there you go. But you okay. put him at right tackle and he was great at Texas. But yeah, like pure tackle, like when you Jay think Scott. of a tackle body, yeah. It's been a, you played with Jonathan Scott. Jay Scott, yeah. It's, it's been, a, been a long time. It's a long, long time. Now you're right about that. I didn't realize that, but you're right, yeah. 
And because yeah, they've had, I mean, you go through the guys, the, the pure tackles Texas has recruited. Some of those guys you have the guys got like Peyton Kelly and Josh Cochran who had their careers cut short with injuries. Kennedy Estelle who got himself booted out of the program. And Kennedy Estelle still got a shot to make an NFL roster. Yeah. I think out of like Alabama A&M or mm-hmm. something, wherever he was his last few years. Or it's guys like Ken Perkins and Mason Walters that, yeah, they were quote-unquote tackles, but they kicked inside eventually. Yeah. So I, I – Basically, my point is, and I want you guys to think about this for next week, how close is Texas to being at a point, and, and talent, you guys know, you hear me talk about it all the time, I've done it since we started the show, talk about talented depth. How close is Texas to being at a point where one injury doesn't completely cripple one side of the ball? Like last year, we went, in, we went in the season saying, if Connor Williams goes down, this offense is screwed. When is Texas going to get to the point where it's not like, if X player is injured, the whole thing's just the just defense get is the, up. the defense has never been in that situation really. The defense had I mean what 2012 is all the one year you can think of when they lost yeah. Jordan Hicks. Yeah, that's when it all went to yeah. hell in the handbasket. But you're but yeah, that's one of the beautiful things about last year. Even at that bowl game was that you lost right. so many guys and still were able to perform at a high level. Offensively, that's a great question. <laughs> that is because that's where you that's where Bama is. That's where Ohio State is. That's where Clemson mm-hmm. is. One injury, even to a quarterback, is like, right. no, we're not decimated. We can still go. So yeah. I want to get into that next that's week. A but great uh, question. Yeah. So but that's, that's about roster management. That's what these recruiting classes are all about. Right. Yeah. It's going to take you a few cycles to get there, but we'll dig into the recruiting yeah. cycles and start looking at uh, specifically offensive line depth, and, and we'll break it down next week on the show. But right now, uh, let's go ahead and break, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You are more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game. For everybody at the Austin Radio Network, 1049 Horn, AM 1260, Horn FM, <clears throat> hornfm.com, and worldwide on the Horn app, where you can hear Rod B. each and every weekday from 1 to 3 on the Rodcast. Famous plug. And thanks to Matt, you get us on Apple Podcasts. Tune in, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcast yeah, app, well. anywhere you get your podcast, and as always, get all of our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.